Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the KASB, the Advocate Podcast for Friday, March 31st. I'm Leah Flyter, and I'm joined by my advocacy staff colleagues, Scott Rothschild and John Four, and by our producer, Buck Madrigal. Well, uh, this past week was one in which the House and the Senate churned through dozens of bills as we near first adjournment on April 7th. So we'll start by going through some of the education bills that were uh, churned through this past week. Scott, you want to start with some of the Senate action? Yes, thank you, Leah. Um, So uh, in the Senate uh, this past week, they sent to Governor Laura Kelly two bills that had already been approved in the House. One is House Bill 2304, which would require the State Board of Education to develop firearm safety curriculum that is in line with the NRA's Eddie Eagle program for grades kindergarten through fifth grade. So this produced a lot of debate on the Senate floor. Uh, Senate Democratic leader Dinah Sykes tried to uh, amend the bill to add the Be Smart gun safety program. Uh, She said, you know, Eddie Eagle tells children, you know, to contact an adult if they see a gun, but the Be Smart program is more, has more of an emphasis on adults uh, modeling uh, good safety behavior. So this kind of became a fight on the floor uh, between uh, the NRA versus uh, Democratic political action committees. And uh, since Republicans uh, hold the majority in the Senate, her amendment was defeated, uh, and eventually the bill was approved uh, 31 to 8. It had been approved earlier in the House, 78 to 43, and I mentioned those votes because uh, it re- the governor in the past has vetoed similar legisla- legislation, and to overturn a veto, it would require two-thirds votes in the Senate. That would be 27 votes in the Senate and 84 in the House. Obviously, the vote in the House on this bill was below that override margin, so we'll see how that turns out. KASB did not weigh in on House Bill 2304 because it it does not mandate that schools provide this uh, safety training. It leads it up uh, up to the discretion of the schools. So the Senate also sent to uh, Governor Kelly um, House Bill 2080, uh, which would allow virtual school students to take statewide assessments in a virtual setting. Uh, The Kansas Senate on Tuesday uh, also approved a bill, uh, House Bill 2236. Uh, This would require school districts to adopt policies that guarantee that parents can remove their child from a lesson or class based upon objections to the course material. This is a so-called parents' rights measure. Uh, It passed 2317 uh, in the Senate with only Republican support, and there was a group of Republicans and Democrats who voted against it. So uh, KASB opposes this. We believe school districts have been able to handle this on their own without a, a dictate from the legislature. I'll just go over a couple other things. Uh, the Senate also approved House Bill 2138 on a 29-11 vote. This is kind of a complicated bill because it jams <laughs> together two very unrelated issues. The first part of the bill deals with, well, it would require school districts to establish policies that separate overnight accommodations for students of each biological sex. This arose out of a complaint that a uh, uh, on a trip 
a girl was for or had to stay in the same room as a, a transgender girl, and that upset some people. So um, the second part of the bill is totally different. It would provide a, for an administrative review by the State Board of Education of local school board decisions to close buildings. So the measure now goes to the House for consideration of these Senate amendments. KSB opposed both bills because they, they interfere with the established district procedures and local control. Uh, we believe, or we, we KSB uh, knows that school districts are handling these issues uh, on their own. And again, uh, do not need a one size fits all uh, mandate from the state. So those were some of the things that happened in the Senate. One thing the Senate did not do uh, was take action on the education budget. Uh, it, uh, it is on the Senate calendar. So, John, I know you've been following that. Can you kind of update us on what the budget bill actually does and, and where it stands in the process? Yeah. So as we approach the kind of the ending part of the session, the budget becomes kind of the primary focus in both houses. And so one thing that we noted was Senate Bill 113. Um, this was the House budget for uh, for education. It sat kind of on the calendar uh, for the Senate to concur, non-concur all week, and they never took any action on it. So we're kind of still waiting on there. But just to kind of serve as a refresher, um, this bill was passed in the House last week on a 75 to 48 vote. So just to serve as a little reminder, uh, what, let's just kind of highlight what is and what is not inside Senate Bill 113. Uh, so one thing, it does not have the special education increase that it was included in the governor's budget recommendations. It does include a policy provision uh, that was titled the parent portal. Uh, this would require districts to provide information on their websites based on grade level. That includes uh, curriculum, textbooks, required materials, uh, copies of surveys and questionnaires. Uh, this is all information. Um, some of the in terms of the textbooks and the books, it gets a little bit more detailed. It wants the author's names, uh, publication dates, and some more information there. Uh, this was a amendment that was added onto the bill. It never received a, necessarily a formal hearing in the K-12 Education Budget Committee, um, but that was included in the budget. The House approved budget also removed uh, certain funding increases, including increases for uh, teacher professional development, teacher mentoring, and the Parents as Teachers program. Uh, some of the policy that was included in the bill outside of just the funding, uh, the bill would authorize non-public school students uh, the ability to participate in activities and sports that were offered by public school districts. Um, this was something that KASB opposed. Keisha already has kind of clear set policies in terms of students who do not attend public schools, how they can participate. There is a cost of living weighting that was added into the bill that would uh, expand that provision for districts who have uh, or it costs more to live inside the district in terms of housing so they can levy additional taxes to pay their teachers more. This expanded it from 21 districts to 27 districts who would be able to take uh, advantage of this weighting. Uh, it would continue the 20 mil statewide property levy for schools. This raises hundreds of millions of dollars and it just has to be extended every two years, I believe. Um, there was the the open enrollment fix, which allows teachers or who are teaching outside of their residential districts to have their children attend the district uh, without being subject to the open enrollment uh, lottery that is outlined in law. 
Um, there's a policy that allows districts to use their current year enrollment when determining state aid. The bill also puts the school mental health program into statute um, instead of it being funded through a proviso in the budget. And then finally, it allows school districts to pay their school board members. So that's kind of a lot of information um, to kind of briefly run through it all. Very big bill. Hey, John, um, let's uh, let me I want to bring you in and Scott into a discussion. Um, it might sound a little odd, but KASB actually asked uh, the members of the House to vote against Senate Bill 113 because while it has a lot of good funding uh, provisions in it, it also includes the parent portal and some, um, you know, some some policy provisions. And we have been consistent this year in, as, in advocating for clean funding bills that don't don't bundle funding and policies. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, what we are seeing here is uh, the bundling of of uh, bad things with good things, basically, to put put a bottom line uh, analysis of it. And, uh, you know, this has been going on for a couple of years in the legislature, and uh, it just really needs to stop happening. Uh, we need the Gannon funding, which has been promised under the, uh, the lawsuit and the agreement with the legislature. Uh, we need an increase in special education funding. It's a, it's simply a math uh, a problem. Uh, we're we're not at the ninety two percent, which you know the law says we should be, and uh, we need things that are going to help uh, districts retain teachers. Those are the things K through twelve needs, and all this other stuff is you know there's a lot of political posturing. There's a lot of you know national um, agendas you know that are being worked through Kansas. And, you know, quite frankly, it's just we're just kind of playing with our kids education and it's just not right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know I know politics can get messy. And what I'm asking for is is uh, something that may be, uh, um, you know, naive, but I, I don't see why uh, we can't produce bills that, you know, maybe maybe bills that just focus on one issue. That would be kind of interesting to do for once. Uh, because, uh, you know, we are we are just jamming all kinds of different uh, policies into uh, uh, into things that we really need. And we're just trying to, you know, put people's agendas uh, attached to that. So I don't know. That's kind of my take on it. Yeah, thanks, Scott. And I, I just want to review for people why we actually urged a no vote on that bill. Now, there's some other education budget stuff also pending in the Senate. Right, John? Well, yeah, I was just going to add. Um... The House budget, Senate Bill 113, is bundled with a bunch of policy, but the Senate budget, uh, Senate Bill 155, uh, does not necessarily have all that additional kind of policy component with the education mm -hmm. money. Um, so kind of going forward, uh, as we head towards conference, uh, when both chambers will come together and kind of consolidate, uh, uh, debate out, fight out their differences in the budget, um, it'll be kind of interesting. So I'd, I'd expect Senate Bill 113 would kind of be the primary vehicle um, where that will probably occur, at least um, for the initial kind of debate over what's going into the budget. And it'll be kind of interesting because, again, the House has a bunch of this policy. The Senate, on the other hand, doesn't have that as a position. Some of the bills, I'm not even sure the Senate ever, uh, Education Committee ever even had a hearing on. So they may not have a formal position on some of those issues. Uh, so when it comes to the budget, you know, there may be some agreement on some of the enhancements and some of the actual funding mechanisms. But when it comes to the policy, it'll be um, interesting to see how that plays out where 
uh, the House has all these policy provisions, the Senate doesn't, and um, what each of their kind of stances are on that. So that kind of highlights the budget, unless Leah and Scott want to say anything else. We had mentioned no, I think we've covered it pretty well, yeah. I mentioned conference committees, and those have already started for us. Um, one that we had been following this week was on Senate Bill 83, the Education Savings Accounts Vouchers Bill. And so I think Leah is going to kind of catch us up on what transpired over the week. Yeah, thanks, John. So to review, Senate Bill 83, as it was passed out of the Senate, uh, would expand the state's existing tuition tax credit scholarship voucher program. This program allows taxpayers to donate to a scholarship fund that is then used to help pay the tuition for low-income students to go to private schools, and the taxpayer gets a 70% tax credit. That's current law. The bill that was passed by the Senate increases that tax credit to 75%, and it increases the family income eligibility of the students to 500% of the federal poverty limits. So a family of four earning $150,000 would be eligible for this version of a voucher. This essentially means that the program is no longer open just to low-income families, and really I think what this this uh, implies or would state is that low-income families probably would be pushed uh, pushed to the back of the line by middle-income families who are trying to take advantage of this uh, tuition tax credit scholarship voucher. Um, so really um, a, a significant expansion of the existing tuition tax credit scholarship voucher law. Now, in turn, the House version of Senate Bill 83, which they passed, stripped out the tuition tax credit voucher and creates a whole new voucher program of education savings accounts. Those education savings accounts would consist of about a $5,000 per child for families to use to help pay for private school expenses, micro school expenses, or homeschool expenses. There would be absolutely no accountability or oversight of the education that these students may or may not receive at these private schools, micro schools, or homeschools. And uh, it's just, it's rife for fraud. We have seen in other states that parents, uh, unfortunately, are using ESA voucher money to pay for theme park tickets, um, kayaks, trampolines, a backyard chicken coop, a fancy schmancy coffee machine. I mean, it's unfortunately, it's been, it's just been abused in states like Florida, Arizona. And so, you know, that's, I, I feel pretty confident that Kansas taxpayers don't want to pay for, for fraudulent activities like that. So we should note that both versions of this bill, the Senate tuition tax credit version and the House ESA version of vouchers barely made it out of their respective chambers. The, the Senate vote was 22 to 16. There's only 40 people in the Senate. So see, they only had two more votes you know, than they needed to get a 50%. In the House, it only passed 64 to 61. In the House of Representatives, you need 63 yes votes to pass a bill. They had to lock people in the chamber, twist arms. They did let people go to the bathroom, but that was about it and twist arms. And uh, I think we were, we sat there for about an hour, didn't we guys? Mm -hmm. And they, um, they finally got um, the 64 votes they needed. So this was very tepid support in both houses, uh, both chambers. And now those two, those two bills have to be reconciled. 
Also, when the bill came out of the House, it had a provision that would have required districts to give teachers a pay raise, and it would have alleviated some of the pain of lost enrollment to small districts uh, who lost students to these vouchers. However, in the first meeting of the Conference Committee on Senate Bill 83, um, House lead negotiator Representative Christy Williams quickly agreed to, to drop those two provisions. So they, those came out. So now uh, those those two sides, House and Senate, have to go to uh, further negotiations to try to reconcile the differences between the two versions of Senate Bill 83. Late in the week, it was apparent that they were not making a lot of progress. Uh, we were there on Friday. Uh, the committee met for, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes, Scott and John, and uh, they traded one proposal. Senate made a proposal. House rejected it, and they, they called the meeting off again until this coming Monday. So uh, this Monday, they'll meet again at um, 9 a.m. and we'll be back uh, to see what happens. So this is going to be a weekend where we really need folks to get out. And uh, I want to bring Scott and John into this conversation. Folks need to be going to the legislative coffees, talking about not only the voucher bills and uh, that really we just need a no vote on whatever voucher bill proposal eventually comes out of this conference committee this week before they adjourn on the 7th. We need a no vote on that. And uh, we need to have people talking about how some of these other bills interfere with local control and really are just, you know, they're not necessary. They're overreached by the legislature. So Scott and John, any comments on what people need to be doing this weekend as we head into the final, pretty much the final week of the legislative session? Well, I just I just hope people are starting to get energized over this uh, uh, terrible voucher um, idea. Uh, this has been sweeping across the country uh, in mostly uh, states that have uh, very Republican legislatures. But in recent weeks, it has been stopped in several states. And it has been, uh, to a large part, Republican legislators in rural districts that have come to realize this voucher plan would be poison to their local schools and their local communities. Uh, it was stopped in um, Georgia, I believe, just recently. Uh, it was stopped, I believe, in, was it was in South Dakota. Uh, and now, and then, uh, it's, it's almost dead, not, not, not quite dead, but it's almost dead in Texas. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, this is not a partisan issue. When you analyze this issue, this is going to be bad for local schools, and it's really tax avoidance, and it's it, that the tax portion of it is just awful. And so uh, I, I hope our people can stay energized and stay on top of their legislators, and, and, and please ask them to support their local public schools, uh, especially in these coming days, because we're coming up to first adjournment, as Leah had mentioned earlier, on April 7th. That's just a few days away. So we really need to uh, uh, stay aware of what's going on in the legislature. Donna, anything you want to add? I think the best way for folks to stay uh, stay informed is to follow us on Twitter throughout the week. And of course, we also do our weekly Facebook Live update from the State House basement. So if you head over to KSB's Facebook page and like that page, you'll get a notification when we go live and we'll be bringing you the latest uh, updates. John, anything you want to add about what our advocacy efforts should be uh, this weekend and going into next week? No, I think 
you and Scott highlighted it well. Just stay attent- stay attentive to Twitter, Facebook, uh, whatever it means it is that you uh, follow. Stuff will start moving pretty quick here. Uh, meetings will be announced, you know, pretty short notice. So just stay attentive. That's right. So this is not this is not a week to rest on our laurels. We still have a lot of work to do. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening today. Thanks again to my colleagues, Scott Rothschild, John Forer, and our producer, Alec Madrigal. And we'll talk to you again next week. Have a great weekend, everyone. Get out there and advocate. <laughs>